Hi, this is Jay Baer of Convince and Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince and Convert Consulting. Hey, Alexa. Oh, Randy, no, this is Anna. Oh, right, right. <laughs> you you caught on really quickly though, because we didn't rehearse that at all. We didn't, but I knew where I knew where you were going. I was either going to call you Alexa or Siri. I couldn't decide what to do. But uh, for those listening, if I set off your smart device, I apologize. We'll throw out Google right now. We'll throw out Echo. We'll throw out pretty much every device. Hey, Siri. Exactly. Uh, people are just like hitting stop, please stop playing, but don't stop playing this podcast. This is going to be a fun one. We dig in with Tom Webster to the ideas of how is the smart device changing our homes? How is it changing our behaviors? How is it changing the way we look for content? If you don't know Tom, he's at Edison Research, where he's the vice president of strategy and marketing. And they do really cool research. You know, they, they're pretty much powering elections on a day-to-day basis. And somehow in between, they figure out how these smart devices work. I had a ton of fun. You, Anna? Yeah, no, this is amazing. And Tom has um, some amazing insights and also delivers it with, with some fantastic humor in there as well. So, you know, this episode, I think for me, was really fun too, because you know, Randy, we talk about this a little bit on the show, but basically there's been this whole push in our industry to be like, get ready for voice search. But then it's just sort of like question mark. How do we do that? So everybody's like, we know we need to go this direction. We know we need to be prepared for smart speakers. Um, But Tom actually kind of helps us get there. Yeah. What I found interesting, and and this was in the second half of the podcast, so you you have to listen through to hear this part, was that there's kind of two different ways that we're interacting with the smart device. One is interactive and one is kind of give me the quick answer. I just want the result. Right. And it's, yeah. it's kind of this opportunity. I often just think of that first, or sorry, that latter one, which is, you know, tell me how long it takes to boil eggs as I gave the example in the podcast, or, you know, tell me how long it's going to take me to get to work right now. Like very quick access to information. But, you know, the, the light that I kind of got from Tom, and I'm trying to think what apps we could build at Uberflip for this is, what if we could deliver value by giving people the opportunity to go through an interactive assessment through these devices? I like that you're already thinking that because all I keep thinking is about how we pretty much should just blame voice search and like smart speakers and Dora the Explorer and like teaching us to talk to things. Like, you know, I just keep making that dotted line back to Dora the Explorer. Dora is scary. You know, my kids used to watch Dora on YouTube, but like, YouTube would recommend all this other content after another. And all of a sudden, like, Dora killing the backpack or something like that. And you're just like, how did that happen? How did it get so dark so quickly? And I guess it's just a matter of time until we get there with voice. And, you know, someone on the other line is telling us some scary things. But for now, we're going to hear some great things. I, I think you got to kick it off with Tom. So let's roll this week of the Connects podcast. Hey, 
Tom. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I should actually say thank you for being with us again. You were on the podcast a couple of years ago, back when it was Content Pros. So thank you for coming back and chatting with us. Yeah, I hope I, I can eventually get a five-timer jacket, like the ones they give out on SNL. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking SNL. Yeah, you could be like the, the Steve Martin of content experience show. Let's let's hope, yeah, I get my five-timer jacket. So uh, my content five-timer jacket. I'm, I'm down for that. <laughs> Nice. So for those who um, are just tuning in um, or who maybe didn't catch the last episode that you were on, would you mind giving everybody just a little bit about you? Sure. Uh, I'm senior vice president at Edison Research, which is uh, probably best known in the U.S. as the sole providers of exit polling data to the national uh, election pool, which is all the news networks basically that you see uh, election and primary and caucus coverage on. All of that exit poll data comes from us. It's a job that's, you know, pretty demanding. And so obviously they don't let me touch that part of it. But I do a lot of uh, custom research in the tech space. Uh, I do a lot in the audio space. Certainly I've done a lot in podcasting. And now we're doing a lot of research on kind of another aspect of of the audio pie, uh, the smart speaker universe. So we've done, uh, I know we're going to talk today about this, but we've done uh, studies for a number of companies sort of privately, and we've got public data that we're going to talk about today that we've done in partnership with NPR. So the audio space is pretty hot right now, actually. A lot of things are up. Podcasting consumption is way up. Audiobooks are way up. So all of that falls under my purview at Edison. Nice, which which is kind of funny because I feel like marketers for the longest time in general haven't touched audio, you know, in like 2017 and 2018 was quote unquote, the year of video. But let's just jump right into it. Because the smart audio report that you conducted with NPR has some fascinating research just about the rise of audio, even as you just alluded to. I mean, it's it's exploding, it's continued to grow. And there's a lot of fascinating research. So what exactly, again, for those, even though you're on the fifth sort of iteration of the Smart Audio Report, what exactly is it? And what are you trying to measure? So right now, we had, you know, when we started the Smart Audio Report, we had this theory that the, the smart speaker, as it were, you know, the, the Alexa devices, the Google Home, and, and uh, you know, even the Apple HomePod and things like that, it actually might change behavior. I mean, you know, we don't do the ultimate food processor study, for instance, or the ultimate uh, fidget spinner study. We don't think those change behavior. But we wondered what would happen when these devices got into people's homes and people got used to talking to computers, how that would change human behavior, you know, ultimately, but certainly how would it change media consumption? And so we started down this path with uh, our partners at NPR. They obviously have a keen interest in audio and the audio space. And our hypotheses were correct. They do, in fact, change behavior when they start to get into people's lives and people start to understand what they can do. So, you know, the, the, the kind of rich insights that we've been able to pull out both through quantitative research and also ethnography has, have been really eye-opening. We did, uh, besides the survey work that we've done, we actually moved in with, uh, I think at this point, 45 or 50 different families uh, legally moved in, I should say, and uh, and basically watch them interact with these devices, how they use them, how they address them, what kinds of things they asked, uh, and you know, just to be able to see in situ how people incorporate them into their day to day routine was super illuminating. It's a really fascinating body of work. Wait, okay, so I, I got to jump in. So I, I had a question all queued up, and then you told me that you moved into people's houses. So I got to understand that more. Uh, 
like was this a sleepover situation because i use my smart speaker a lot at night and and there's probably a lot a lot you could learn from that yeah in the house were you you know uh, for several hours some of them in the morning some of them midday some of them at night we you know and all over the country too we got to see some things that you know an initial survey might not have uncovered you know one of the things that our our first iteration of uh both the survey and the and the uh, qualitative work pulled out was this kind of interesting relationship with parents and children. And so many parents bought them for their kids, or at least in part so that their kids could interact with them. And you see the kids using them, the kids using them to play games, the kids asking them for content. You know, they used to have to ask dad to, to play Frozen on, on dad's Spotify on his laptop, and now they can ask for it themselves over and over and over and over. And it's kind of an interesting thing. I know uh, our, our friend Mitch Joel often talked or talked in the past about, you know, when you get a, uh, have a young child in the house and they get a TV, their natural instinct is to go up and try and, you know, pinch it and zoom it like it was an iPad. And now I think uh, the children of the smart speaker generation will, will begin to expect that you talk to devices, that you talk to computers, and that's just how you operate them. And indeed, I think going forward, this technology is going to get baked into a lot of things. So the, the kids aren't wrong. No, I, absolutely. It's, it's kind of funny. My kids are 11, 9, and 7. And a few years ago at, at Uberflip, we gave everyone holiday gifts from our team. And we do that every year. We gave everyone a Sonos. And it, it wasn't the smart Sonos where you speak to it. I know they have that now with, with things built in. But you know, year, year one, when I brought that home, my kids loved it, right? But the next year, we gave everyone Google Homes. And now we kid that the Sonoses are just very expensive paperweights in the house because my kids have zero interest in taking the time to type something out. Well, my, my friends at Sonos are not going to love hearing that, I have to say. <laughs> but can we balance it with the smart the- ones? And, and I'm sure we can change the kids, you know? We can balance it. I use mine every day. So I, yeah. love, I love it. It's not a paperweight in our house. I have Sonos in my walls. I have a Sonos, what's it called? The Play Bar? Is that the one? I yeah, mean? yeah, the Play Great Bar. Product. Great product. So, so let me ask you something. I'm, I'm curious. I, I took a look at, at the Smart Audio Report, which I, I just find fascinating because this thing is taking off so quickly. And one of the things in there that you highlight is you know, the new product adoption curve. And we've all seen these before. You know, starting off at innovator and you know progressing through from adopter to majority and, and eventually laggard. So maybe you can contrast for us, and I'm going to put you on the spot. You know, the the takeoff of this versus the fidget spinner because you brought the fidget spinner into this. So we we got to we got to see like how fast is this compared to the fidget spinner? Yeah, I think it's faster than the fidget spinner. I think the fidget okay. spinner was popular in pockets. I can't say, Randy, that our body of research on fidget spinning is as deep as our body of research on smart speakers, but it's a pretty rapid adoption curve. You know, the the first trend that we tracked from two years ago to last year was from 7% of the U.S. population owning one to 16%. And that's faster than uh, smartphone penetration went up. That's faster than social media went up. That's faster than podcasting went up. It was, you know, in fact, that uh, year-over-year trend was the steepest adoption curve we've seen for a piece of consumer technology. And the interesting thing from last year to this year is that on the one hand, you might be tempted to think that it is slowed because it's gone from 16 to 21. So it's still grown a significant percentage year over year, not as much as it did in uh, in the first year that we tracked. But what's gone bananas 
are the number of devices that people own. And now the majority of people who own a smart speaker, the majority own more than one. You're more likely to own more than one than just one. And so the number of devices in people's homes year over year has more than doubled. And that's putting computing into rooms of the house now where computing did not used to happen. It's putting a computer in your bathroom, you know, for bathroom computing. Uh, it's putting a computer in your bedroom. It's putting a computer in your kitchen. And that's changing media consumption. That's changing a lot of things. It's crazy to the stat that you have in the report about how in the 2018 holiday season alone, eight people, 8% of people in the U.S. got a smart speaker. I mean, that's just insane that it's it's even now just becoming like a gift that people give people. Like we're giving people computers now. Yeah, because they kind of work on multiple levels, you know. I mean, we do have research in this report that shows that there is there's some FOMO that people have or at least anxiety that they're not using the devices to their fullest capacity. Most people will agree that they, they don't know everything that they can do. But that kind of doesn't matter because you can also just sit it on a shelf and say, play some music. And that's fine for most people, right? That's actually the key to getting these devices in, in mainstream homes is the fact that they do mainstream things. But as people do get them into their homes, they start to do more and more things. And, and in the first couple of iterations of the Smart Audio Report, we tracked a number of different skills that people might do. We tracked dozens and dozens of them. And the average smart speaker owner does at least eight things a day, like eight regular different things with their smart speaker. And, you know, it's kind of a, it's a, a litany of the mundane. It's everything from, you know, laundry timers and kitchen timers to, to just getting the weather and the traffic. But all of that adds up. And as they start to take little things off our hands, we start to trust them more and more and we start to use them more and more. So, so Tom, I, I want to take us to break in a minute here, but before I do, can you give us like just name off, like what are the, some of those eight things that people are using it for other than music and maybe an alarm in the morning? Yeah, so music is certainly one, the biggest one. And, you know, music's the primary reason why people buy these devices in, in many cases. But we also took a look at the top indexing activities by day part. And I want to explain, these are not the top activities by day part because music is number one across the day. But if you look at the activities and skills that punch above their weight, that over-index against their average by each day part, it's, you know, as I mentioned, it's kind of a litany of the mundane. Uh, in the morning, the top indexing activities are traffic, weather, and news. And indeed, we see a lot of substitutive behavior here with smart speakers where people are using them in the mornings in place of that kind of background television watching, putting on one of the, the network television news programs in the morning. They're instead going to their smart speakers for this kind of basic information. Across the day, people use them to, you know, to listen to music, to add to a shopping list, add to a to-do list, you know, little reminders when their hands are full. As we get around dinner time, you know, two of the top three, top three indexing activities are to either find a restaurant or business or to order food, which makes a lot of sense. And then finally in the evening, it's a lot of kind of winding down activities, controlling devices, light timers, reading an audiobook, short stories, and so on. And, you know, what all of this sort of wrapped up tells you is that people are using these as, as not as a, as kind of a gadget, look at this cool thing that it can do, but as just a constant companion to do the everyday things in their life. And that, that's the key to, I think, their increased adoption and, and why people are buying more and more of them to put in more and more rooms of the house. I am, I'm absolutely loving this episode. And I think you just set up the second half perfectly because 
all marketers are sitting there being like, oh my God, what do I have to do to adapt to this? So we'll dig into that right after this break, right back with Tom Webster. Hi, friends. This is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert, reminding you that this show, the Connect Show podcast, is brought to you by Uberflip, the number one content experience platform. Do you ever wonder how content experience affects your marketing results? Well, you can find out in the first ever content experience report, where Uberflip uncovers eight data science-backed insights to boost your content engagement and your conversions. It's a killer report, and you do not want to miss it. Get your free copy right now at uberflip.com slash connex show report. That's uberflip.com slash connex show report. And the show is also brought to you by our team at Convince and Convert Consulting. If you've got a terrific content marketing program, but you want to take it to the very next level, we can help. Convince and Convert works with the world's most iconic brands to increase the effectiveness of their content marketing, social media marketing, digital marketing, and word of mouth marketing. Find us at convinceandconvert.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We are here with Tom Webster, and we've been talking about the rise of smart speakers and what this means um, as far as usage goes. But Tom, one of the things that I really want to talk to you about is what this means for marketers, because it seems like, um, especially for me coming from the content marketing industry, there's been this huge push to be like, everybody prepare for voice search, everybody get ready, people are talking, they're searching differently, it's different than organic search. So go prepare, but there doesn't seem to be a plan to do so or even sort of indication on next steps. So what does first this actually mean for marketers? And second, how can we actually prepare to do this the right way? Well, as soon as I first had an inkling of what smart speakers and voice assistant technology would be able to do, I had the same thought as many people in our business. How can we ruin this with marketing? (laughs) Right, exactly. And I'm here to tell you it's very easy to do. You know, one of the things that I mentioned in the first segment was how people begin to trust these devices. And that is absolutely the that's word number one that a marketer needs to put at the top of their list. And that is trust, because as soon as that trust is violated for any reason, then these devices will go into a junk drawer. And it has not escaped uh, millions and millions of people in this country and in others. The fact that these things are always listening. And so there has to be immense value and trust in order to overcome that. And the easiest way to violate that trust, you know, there are two ways to violate that trust. There's these sort of obvious ways, which are, you know, it exposes your financial information or something like that. But then there's also, you know, if, if it's intrusive with things like advertising where it's not welcome. And I know that both Amazon and Google and certainly Apple too are all very cognizant of this. You know, they're not, they're not going to be running ads to, to sponsor your asking for the time. But skills, I think, are an extraordinarily important part of what marketers can think about and what they can address. Because what does a skill do? You know, the number, a number of things that I've already mentioned that people use these devices for, they're to help them. They're to help them when their hands are full. They're to help them with common everyday tasks. And I think if, uh, if marketers place trust as number one and helpfulness as, you know, 1B maybe, and use that as their filter, then things will naturally suggest themselves. And, you know, they really do have to be helpful. They really do have to be trustworthy. You know, to me, the ultimate audio app of all time is decades old, decades. It predates smart speakers by years. And that's the Butterball Turkey Hotline. And we've all called it at some point, you know, when I've had my turkey in the oven for 
five hours at 200 degrees and I wonder what's wrong. There's a helpful human on the other end of the line that's going to help me save my turkey or at least tell me to throw it out before I kill my family. Uh, and that's, that's the way I think we have to think about smart speaker skills. Is it helpful and, can, and is it trustworthy? And especially when you think about all the things that they do that are not in the voice of the brand, they're in the voice of Alexa, they're in the voice of Google and working in those parameters and making that consistent. So it's absolutely a challenge. I think we have to put our worst instincts behind us and actually help people. It's, you know, it's so funny that you mentioned that and it's because you're right. I mean, even with, you know, people have been conducting experiments with Facebook where they've had random conversations about cat food when they don't have a cat. And then all of a sudden, you know, somehow they get cat food ads. You know, I mean, there's always this underlying suspicion of this amazing piece of technology that is free, quote unquote free, you know, and what is it actually, what is the true cost of actually this technology? And, and so I love your message of just trust because, there are no such things as really ads right now with voice search. You know, there, you know, Google Home isn't going to be serving you. You know, it's 10.30 in the morning brought to you by Purina. But also your point about being genuinely helpful, like the Butterball hotline. I mean, I think if people just continue and marketers just continue to go this way, we can use these things in ways that actually reach our audiences in meaningful ways. And it develops even more trust with us and that trust kind of transfers. And I think there's a real opportunity for interactivity as well. I mean, a lot of the, the content that, you know, content marketers produce in video form or in text form, I mean, it's, it is not interactive. I mean, maybe there are right. things you can click on, but there's no, you know, user-driven path here. Uh, and this is starting to be possible and, and starting to happen more and more with smart speakers. And, you know, two of the examples that really come to mind here, Purina has a breed finder which you answer some questions and it tells you what your perfect breed is. And that's brought to you by Purina. It's not you know, overly laden with uh, advertising, advertisements, but you certainly know it's a, it's a Purina thing and it's fun. And then there's also the, uh, the Zyrtec Allergy Cast is one of my favorites, which uh, will tell you in excruciating detail why you shouldn't go outside. I've, I've learned uh, about rhizomes and chenoblasts and all kinds of words I didn't even know. And I, haven't, I basically haven't left my apartment in, in nearly six months because of Zyrtec's allergy cast telling you that. <laughs> nice. um, and, it, and there's no overt advertising for Zyrtec on there, but it, right. it, it is a thing that does what it says on the tin. It's a thing that tells you how bad is it going to be out there. And thanks Zyrtec for telling me that. So again, it's that helpfulness, that trustworthiness. It's not ruined with advertising, but it is, but I'm aware of who's doing it. Uh, and I'm, you know, and I'm grateful for those services. Another great, this is one of the best pieces of, of content I can think of is a, as a, it's a podcast, but it works great on smart speakers called Chompers. And it is exactly as long as children should brush their teeth for. And it's basically a guided toothbrushing with a fun game or activity. Uh, and if you've got like a five-year-old or a six-year-old or, you know, a 30-year-old, whatever, uh, who you struggle with getting them to brush their teeth correctly, you throw on chompers every day and they get something fun to think about. And they also get told, now switch to the top left, you know, and, and it's a super piece of content marketing and it's helpful. I mean, I kind of want that now just for me. Yeah. I've been brushing all wrong. I mean, now <laughs> right. with yeah, I've, I've really come to relearn oral hygiene. So it, it's a lot of fun, all this stuff. And, and it, it reminds me a lot, uh, you know, Anna, we had a podcast recently where we ended up talking a little bit about like that Bandersnatch movie, right? The one mm -hmm. with... Yeah, uh, yeah. Choose Your Own Adventure. And I think that's a lot of, you know, these examples you're talking about. 
we want that interactive ability to kind of choose our de- our next step, choose our destination as to where we're going. And, and I think that's what a lot of these, these games, if you will, I, I don't mean to minimize them, but they're ultimately games that we can build content into that create this interactive opportunity. But I want to switch for a moment to something where it's less, there's elements of these speakers that are less interactive. They're very results driven, right? It's, you know, I, I've kidded sometimes that we used to say the best place to hide something on Google was page two of the results. Uh, <laughs> No one went there. Now it's result two because if I ask, if I ask my smart speaker like how to make poached eggs, they're just telling me. They're not asking me which of the following five results. I just get immediate answers. So what do you? What would you say is really the implication here for marketers from a search perspective, where we don't, you know, play the game, if you will. Mm. Well, it, it's uh, the degree of difficulty here is ramped up quite a bit because it's not enough to have top of mind awareness. You need top of mind preference. Printer toner could evolve to be 6 million times better than it is today. And I'll never know because I just keep asking Alexa, reorder my toner. So it doesn't really matter, right? That, that, that part of it has been, has been commodified. And you are right that it is, it's now result one. And one of the things that all of the leading voice assistant technology manufacturers are really keen on are failed requests, studying failed requests and making sure that people aren't getting frustrated with the devices. And right now, people aren't really getting frustrated with the devices because even though there are failed requests, people aren't expecting great things out of these. I think most people are surprised. In fact, I know most people are amazed by what they can do rather than frustrated by what they don't or what they or what they get wrong but having that strong brand that strong top of mind preference is something you have to do off the device in order for people to find you on the device but again i think that's where skills really come into play because if you're just you know asking people if you're just trying to be search result number 1 if someone's looking for a given product that's one thing but if you can actually design and develop a skill that makes you the thing that, that people ask for help about, that's a strong play. So again, I, you know, skills are really, really important there uh, and maintaining that trust and, and maintaining that helpfulness. Nice. I feel like there's no better way to end a podcast session than to drop the mic like that. Tom, I, we could spend all day talking about this report and talking about smart speakers and what this means for the future of marketing and just uh, you know tech within our lives in general. But I'm sure people at some point would actually love to read this report. So where can they actually go download the report that we've been talking about this entire time? All right. Now I'm going to bring it all home with... I'm going to bring it all home with the content marketing aspect of this, right? Nice. And this is the bigger, this is sort of the meta play. Uh, you can download this at npr.org slash smart audio. And this is research as content marketing. And this is, you know, it's, it's been downloaded gazillions of times and NPR and, and obviously we as well get associated with it. And it's, you know, as long as we keep doing it right and it keeps being accepted as kind of currency, uh, it's a, it's a piece of content marketing. It's a piece of content marketing for both of us. So yeah, npr.org slash smart audio. Nice. And then what else do you have coming up just so people can kind of stay tuned and take a look on the horizon? Any other big reports coming up? Yeah. I mean, since this is a, a podcast, as the kids call it, uh, we <laughs> do a lot of research in 
all things audio, not just smart speakers, but also podcasts and online media and, and things like Pandora and Spotify and, and even audiobooks. And our flagship study, our annual kind of omnibus currency data on all of that uh, is a study that we put out every year in partnership with Triton Digital called The Infinite Dial. And The Infinite Dial 2019 comes out on March 6th, and that's going to have uh, some really eye-opening, surprising new data on things like podcasting, of which this is one. How very meta. Fantastic. Okay, everybody. So go check out the report, the smart speaker report. Go check out that flagship report. You know, it's always going to be amazing and interesting. Tom, I loved talking to you today. I love digging through the reports and actually getting to um, dig into more detail with you about it. Before we let you go, though, we would love to chat with you about a little bit of the personal side of Tom. So we got to know you on the professional side. We got to talk about a lot of data, a lot of statistics. But Randy has some fun questions queued up for you. So if you wouldn't mind sticking around. Uh, These better be fun. It will be. Oh, it These always better be is. fun, Randy. Randy always has random questions. So right. I'm sure it'll be a blast. All right, everybody. So stick around and we are going to t- chat a little bit more with Tom right after this. All right, Tom, thanks for sticking around. We want to get to know what is Tom doing when there's people moving into his house, watching from afar in a very creepy way. I'll first kind of share with you, like my kids have all of a sudden found this new game on hmm. uh, on their smart speakers called Akinator. Have you guys played this? No. No. Uh, no. It's, it's basically 20 questions where Akinator, which is this like genie, guesses the famous person that you've chosen in your mind. Huh. So it's just like, is it a male? Is it a female? You know, is this person over this age? And before you know it, it magically knows the answer. It's pretty cool. So what is one of those fun or silly or stupid things that you are personally using your smart speaker for that none of us would have been aware of? Wow. That's a good one. Something I'm using the smart speaker for that is fun or random that you're personally unaware of. Do you know, it's a really, it's a really small thing. Um, we, uh, we do the same three things every morning. We are such creatures of habit. And the first thing that we do when we walk into our kitchen is say, Alexa, good morning. And every day there's something goofy. I mean, Alexa has a very finely tuned, goofy sense of humor that uh, they, they do a great job with there. So we always start with good morning. So I don't I don't know how much fun that is, but there's always uh, there's always something goofy or funny or stupid. So yeah, we start with good morning. Second, we listen to uh, up first, and then third, we put on our uh, you know some music after that. But try try Alexa good morning sometimes and, and see what that has to say. By the way, obviously I have had to change the name of our device to not Alexa because I do so much of this. That's hilarious. That's but- true. Otherwise, it would just be going off in the background every constantly. Time. Yeah. yeah, it took me it took me months to figure that out, by the way, or at least to, to get off my duff and do it. So I was constantly like saying, shut up, Alexa, shut up. <laughs> there's, there's a great SNL skit. I'm sure you've seen it, Tom. Yes, yes. The older the older individuals don't know how to pronounce Alexa. So they it's the Alexa that can adapt to various names like Alexia, Alexis, it's it is priceless. Well, um, I'm going to set mine off now, uh, uh, sort of on purpose, but we changed ours to Echo. And what we have learned accidentally over these these many months of owning it is it will respond to Gecko, it will respond to Prosecco. <laughs> <laughs> 
So there are any number of ways you can you can accidentally ruin your ruin your day. That's amazing. I'll, I'll leave you both with this one funny. This literally happened this past week. I found out, which I didn't know, that these smart speakers can actually act as telephones. I don't even know if it's proper to call it a telephone, but they can make outgoing calls. So it finally got me to the point where it was like, I am cutting the cord. I'm cutting my home phone line. I'm getting rid of it. And the funny thing that went on from there, because I didn't want to give up the phone number. I wanted to park it somewhere. So I went through this whole app to do so. And then I get to the point where they're like, okay, to verify, we need to call you. And I realized I don't actually have a functioning home phone (laughs) to accept the call. So I had to call my dad to bring over a phone from his house so that I could just accept the call so I could cut the cord and move fully to a smart home. Anyways, Hashtag uh, first world problems. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, it, it's definitely a different world we're living in. It, it's an exciting one. Tom, thanks so much for kind of educating us on the trend and what we have to think about as marketers. I hope everyone's enjoyed this podcast. On behalf of Anna, Convince and Convert, I'm Randy from Uberflip. We've had Tom Webster join us and this has been a delight. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in to the Connex podcast. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to the Content Experience Show. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. That's contentexperienceshow.com. The Content Experience Show is sponsored by Convince and Convert Consulting and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, just go to convinceandconvert.com.